Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whoever you are, whether you're watching or listening, this is a chat about football. And I'm Joe, and I'm joining my cold podcast. I feel like open mate Robert. How you doing, mate? You alright? I'm all good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, not bad, or not bad. Um, we literally had 15 minute fan time. Now we're gonna go to the main episode, and we're excited for this one. We've got a person who has done a lot in the game, and we're looking forward to seeing what he has to sort of talk to us about. But this is a man, just to clarify, he's uh, played for Arsenal in the academy, um, played for Tottenham in the academy. He's been played professionally for Millwall, played for other teams like Welling, uh, Leverhead, uh, um, Hastings, and he's now the reserve manager of Hashtag United. So we're looking forward to seeing how he's getting on with that. But without further ado, a man that we have a lot of respect and time for, our former coach, Kin and Hughes Mason. How you doing, kid? You all right? We're doing, boys. All good? Ah, good, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm always bugging to talk to you. Man. We know that we've got <laughs> so much to ask you. But before we get into the main episode, we literally thought we did the, the admin bit. Guys, this is a chat about football. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And we will be on YouTube in the next uh, few uh, days, weeks, however long it will be. We will be on YouTube. We promise you that. <laughs> so we'll come in very soon on that. But guys, again, thank you for listening and watching. And if you like this episode, be sure to share it, like it, interact with us. Let us know how much you enjoy it and let everyone else know how much you enjoy it as well. But again, this is a chat about football. And kids, we just thought we'd ask you first and foremost, how's it going? We know that you're working with Hashtag at the moment and you're doing your pre-season. How's that been going? Um, it's been going well. Um, been Kind of tough build a team from scratch. Um, we've played two friendly so far. We won both. Okay. Um, we have another one tomorrow. A lot, a lot of positive signs. A lot of good players. We just can't wait for the season to start now. I know, especially you spoke about it before about how Spencer doesn't see it ever as a YouTube team. He generally sees this as a team that can go far. So, how is it for you managing a team like this? Because it's a, it's a different dynamic. Um, yes, in the terms of what the brand is, mm. but it's still a football team. We still do the, the basics, um, training and stuff, obviously games. Um, still treat them like footballers, but obviously the added incentive of it, a lot of cameras being around, um, a lot of content and stuff that the media team have to do. But it's, it's a basic football team. Um, definitely extras, really. No, of course. Obviously, fans aren't allowed in, um, to the grounds as of yet. Have there been any plans in like the government's recent announcements to actually sort of incorporate fans gradually coming in? Is there anything you can give us on that? Okay, this week, we'll have fans at our games from tomorrow, 27th of August, um, at our level. So I think from from yeah, from yeah tomorrow, there'll be fans at games, whether it's reserve games or first team games. So it's good to have, obviously, fans back. Um, a lot of clubs at this level and the level above will struggle without fans. So I think yeah. they finally made the right decision to get all the fans back at all games, really. No, of course. Like you said, especially at your level, I mean, hashtag are a bit of a different team, but obviously with a lot of other teams in that in that level, that's the way they're generating their money. Like, it literally is purely from fans. And it'll be great when, obviously, fans can come fully back into stadiums. I mean, why they haven't, what's going on is a whole other story. Um but yeah, the sooner the sooner it happens, the better for sure. So what's the project then for hashtag for you as a reserve manager? What's the project going forward? Um, I think it's more well for me it's there's a lot of good players that have left youth team football that maybe are not ready for first team football yet. And it's having that middle ground to learn and develop your game as players men, essentially. Mm. Um 
learning about being a, just being in that environment of being around the first team. Um, yeah, just really, it's, it's that development stage of building bridge between leaving academy football or youth football before you progress into first team football. Yeah, no, of course. And just one more thing on this note as well. I see a lot on social media about how, I don't know if it's your company, that, but I know you do a lot of helping players find clubs, don't you? Um, in terms of like you have centre-backs or you have like players available. And I've noticed on social media, you do quite a bit to try and help them find clubs. Can you share a bit more on that as well? Um, yeah, I work with a few people, uh, different agents, let's call, let's call them, and companies that kind of need players from, well, just need players in general, whether it's to send them to clubs in England or abroad. I, was, I speak to a lot of managers um, around non-league who are always looking for players. You know, and along the years, I've always managed to have good players um, who just need a chance, really. And having these kind of people around, always good, because it means I can help these players. And I think I've built quite a strong network with, especially non-league managers, but having, you know, friends who are agents and that kind of stuff also helps, you know, even if it's senior players. You know, I've got a lot of friends who play non-league football or play pro football, obviously who out of contract, want to find new clubs. So just helping people in general find clubs is, I enjoy that a lot, just helping out people where I can. And that's kind of what I've done the last three months, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I guess for you as well is, you're obviously building up your contacts more and more as you're doing this as well. And this, especially in the footballing world, it's such a small world, isn't it? It's, you never know when you like build up a contact you might need in the future or whatever. It's, it's a very small world in the footballing world. Yeah, that's it. Hundred percent. Um, having contact is good. You know, it's all about trust. Um, and if you've got good trust with someone, they'll always come back, and you'll always be able to go back to them for help or advice, or if they need a player, and you send them one and they're good, it always helps. Of course. Yeah. Um, I thought we start at the beginning now, right? And we start at your time growing up, right? You started, obviously, with the Arsenal, um, playing for them at a youth team. How did that come about? Like, Is it something that you knew you were always going to be a football player, you had that ability from young, or is it something that came out of the blue where you just happened to be at Arsenal? Um, my dad played football and was very good. Yeah. Um, so I think it came from watching him play most weeks and then playing football around the house with socks, um, out with my mum shopping, playing football in... Tesco without a football, just no ball, just kicking thin air, <laughs> doing doing skill. Yeah, they kind of knew what I wanted to do, and just happened that I went to a summer a summer camp, like um, met up with someone who was a coach at the time for a local youth club. Um, ended up playing for the team and played one game, and then after that, got scouted by Arsenal, and wow. that was that. Like, oh, I was going to ask as well, like, um, when you go to Arsenal and you're youth, right, do you see a big, massive club um, that, for example, you feel like, why am I Arsenal? Or do you just see a football, you just kick it around slowly as you sort of um, play football, you kind of realise, oh, I am an Arsenal sort of thing, if that makes any sense? Um, for me, it was, at that age, I was six or seven. Um, yeah. I just loved playing football. Yeah. Then, obviously, as you get older, it's like, oh, I'm actually better Arsenal. Um, but at the time, when you're young, you just want to play football. You don't really care where you are. And I think I think that's changed now a lot. I think it's made into a massive thing for kids um, by a parent, rightly so sometimes. Um, but at the same time, it's just about the kids enjoying themselves, playing football, 
without any real pressure. Do you think, you know, then that pressure will come when they hit a certain age, yeah. you know, but when they're eight, nine, ten, it's just about learning and enjoying playing football with friends. Um, you know, when you get to 15, 16, 17, that's when a bit of pressure comes into it. When I start in, when it becomes contracts and that kind of stuff. Do you think as well, when you were, from the sounds of things, you're, you just kind of, it all kind of just fell into place. You love football, kind of went to a summer camp just because you love football and it all kind of fell into place from there. Do you think nowadays it's a lot more, it's not all kids are doing it for the love or do you think it's because their parents are pushing into it or do you think it's a different generation? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think parents have become a bit more pushy because they can see what the final product could be mm. at a certain age. Obviously, boys love playing football, obviously, and girls. Um, but I feel it's changed a lot where now it's, I can, you're going to earn millions. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, I changed a lot. It wasn't like that I when I was eight, nine years old. It wasn't about, it was more about just because you enjoyed it. No, of course. It's having that passion to actually want to play football realistically. Yeah. How how did you find it growing up at Arsenal from the time that you were there at Arsenal? Do you have, you, like, do you have fun memories of that whole time, that whole period? Had a great time, made lifelong friends, um, travelled the world. Um, yeah, no, I had no bad memories. I was going to ask as well, right? Um, the thing that I asked, not, not that many people realise as well, right? You played with some players that... And there's one name that stands out in particular that I know that you you sort of have a great idea of who this is as well. Um, so a player by the name of Jack Wilshere as well. So I was going to ask, um, from a young age, did you see that Jack had that, that knack in him to go to the very top? Um, I, feel, I think when we hit about 12, 13, yeah. He wasn't the biggest, he was quite small. Um, but you could see there was a, play, there was, there was a player there. Um, you could, it was evident that he was going to go right to the top. Um, obviously, injuries played a massive part in his career. But I've always said if we didn't have the injuries, he'll be probably England's best centre midfielder. Yeah. Wow. wow. No, definitely. And I mean, you in in regards to the Arsenal stint, obviously, you left when you were 14. Is that right? What what happened there? I just got thrown up too small. Literally. That was the only excuse I was given or reason I was given. I was too small. But I mean, as a 14-year-old, it's, being small, that's saying that it's tough. I mean, it's... We, we kind of touched upon it before, but like, even mentally, how how was it to get told, yeah, you're too small, you've got to leave the club? Um, it was tough at the time. Um, obviously, when you first get told the news, it's bad. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. I've been there eight years. You know, I spent, I've been there more, more than half my life. Of course. Well, sorry, well, half my life. I mean, yeah. Um, and now it's gone, you know, but like I said, I had, my mum and dad were there, fully supportive, um, kind of kept me positive all the time and I mean I think for me at that age it was different because I knew I was good Yeah, you know and everyone else knew I was good yeah. so <clears throat> for me to go and fight that club I knew it wouldn't be hard Yeah, you know so it was a thing of going going around more than going around it was once it came out that I had a club I wasn't sure I wasn't sure of offers put it that way you know cool. and it's just about making Going somewhere where I could go and progress again, and then kind of see what happened. And that obviously led you to Spurs, um, Arsenal's rivals, conveniently yeah. as well. Um, how was that two years? Honestly, horrid. Okay, why? Um, when you come from a club like Arsenal, where you get everything you need, 
literally. The only thing you've got to do is come to training and games. Yeah. You know, boots, trainers, water bottles, towels, the lot, you know, to then go to Spurs where I was given a kit that didn't even fit me. You know, it was too small. And I was like, I know like the first six weeks, I was kind of like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and then when the end of that season, obviously, we went to end of 15th, I think. Um, obviously, got better. New season, you kind of then just start from scratch, you know, and again, met lifelong friends who I speak to still. Um, but I think it was just going from Arsenal to Spurs, I struggled with that. Being Knowing that most games, if not all games, you you know you're going to win. Yeah. Um, and how do you want to score to go into a club where that, that ain't the same anymore? You know, yeah. so mentally, you got to adjust to that. Going from being being at the best to, let's say, not the best, you got to adjust. Um, so eventually, I did. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, or I wouldn't say I enjoyed it as much as I probably should have at the time, but it's just one of those things, really, isn't it? I don't know. Ask something as well, right? Did you have any sort of support or liaison, like for example, like with, with young players? Do they really have that? Do you feel like they have that guidance in the sense that when you move from one club to another, like that, like someone like you, years was it something that was helped to by like the staff and people around to easy win, or was it a case of here you are, new kit, new club, deal with it, sort of thing? Um, I had my parents, and I think that's all I needed. Yeah, I didn't really have um to guide you with just parents who didn't have without contacts yeah. or people that could help you out you will struggle yeah you know, like I said before obviously I knew I was good I was there for a bundles of goals every season so people kind of knew who I was yeah you know so obviously my dad's involved in for I've been for years um so I had him I think if I did if he was in the football the way he was I would have struggled mm-hmm. big time even with being also for eight years, you know, having someone to contact the club or contact clubs, massive. You need that person that knows people. Obviously, mm-hmm. I have my dad, so I was right. Um, I, there were other players in the team that didn't have them contacts and kind of didn't play football again once they left Arsenal. Well, how, how many players do you feel like that, you know, fall by the wayside? Is it bigger than we know people that have that talent, that don't have the contact? Do you, is it easier than, than we think it is to really sort of slip through the cracks? It's so easy. It's so easy. I know a lot of players that, very talented footballers, that didn't have the contract. I ended up not playing football anymore. Or stopped, at that time, stopping and probably didn't get back in football until they got to 16-17 when they ended up maybe playing somewhere in the league or, or whatever. But I feel there wasn't that support that players have now. And even now... It's not as big as it should be. Yeah, the way you said it's not as good as it should be. Mentally, for me, uh, you're thinking you've been there for eight years. Yeah, mate, you might have took education seriously to an extent, but also you're kind of always thinking, I want to be a footballer, or like, this is what I'll be, and you're at a dead end. That might, for me, like I said, for me personally, that would that would eat out my mind constantly. And I mean, you think clubs don't do enough to kind of help people like that because you... From the sounds of things, oh, exactly as you said, actually, if it wasn't for your dad, who knows where you would have been in, in football in sense. Do you think clubs need to actually give a support to anyone, not just a contacts to anyone, realistically, who who falls into that category? Yeah, 100%. I think they've kind of, they've put now, um, 
for that reason, for that simple reason of the players that leave clubs and maybe haven't got the contacts, might be a single parent, mm. you know, for example, is your mum going to have contacts for head of recruitment at clubs? Very unlikely. Do you know what I mean? So it's, I think, I think now they've kind of, a lot of clubs have got player work, player workers who kind of handle that. Um, I still think it can be bigger because there's so many players that get released by clubs. Yeah. Um, but that's where people like me come in, come in there, who've Close. been in the game and have got contacts and can help players, you know. Do you know what I mean? So people reaching out to people who they know may have contact. And that's kind of how it works, I think. Social media is massive with all the hang up, you know. So some will just go to people they know. Or if it's a friend of an uncle or of that player, they'll go to the people they know that I was in football. Kind of said, I've got this kid, my nephew or my friend's son, he's been released from this club. Kind of how it works. Well, for me, that's how it's working a lot, really. Yeah. I know that cl- uh, pl- uh, clubs do make a lot about their conti- uh, players having contingency plans when you play for the club. Uh, for example, like um, academy players will get told, all right, you have a plan B in case you don't make it, right? But do you feel like um, within the system, right, you have, there isn't maybe sort of enough thought given by these players to think I might not make it compared to the proportion that really don't? Um, I would say yes, because if you're at a football club, you want to be at that football club for a long time and you don't really think about what happens if I get released at the club. You know, if I get released, have I got contacts that can call up a manager up or call up a club up and say, look, He's been let go by Chelsea or Watford or whatever. Um, I don't think players look at that. Obviously, parents will always tell you how plan is, but this might not work. Yeah. But if I'm 14, what is my plan B? I'm only 14 years old. Um, so it's tough. You know, I feel like a lot of people thought, once I'm here, I'm here till I'm 16, 17, 18, you know. And then when you start seeing players not return to pre-season, and you kind of think, where's he gone? And then you realise, oh, he's let go. Then it kind of, it kind of hits home and you think, oh, at any time I could be next. So it's tough. It is tough. That takes me on to my next question as well, right? Um, there was a specific trial game, I remember you mentioned it to me and Robbo, about you having to perform on a certain game to get a contract. I want to sort of have you sort of explain that whole game, that whole process and everything like that to us as well. Just, so that we can get get a take uh, get a, a sense of what it was like in your mind on that day or leading up to that day anyway. So that's what I joined Mill. Um, I joined as under sixteen. I um, I think I had sixteen and fourteen games. Um, and we played Brentford. It must have been the last game of the year. Um, I remember getting pulled in the manager. It was you've done well, but there's something we're missing. You now by this time, get out. 18, 19 scholars already. You know, plus, obviously, all the boys that were already here of us who we got into their second year. Um, and it was almost like, well, being a 16 year old, you need to play the game of your life, really, if you want to be at this club. Um, I remember going out with all, it was raining, windy, awful conditions. And when you're one of 16, the only one of 16 who hasn't got a contract yet, mm. that's tough. Of course. You know, no, you have to go there and perform. Even though I would start every game, would score every game, you know, it was mentally tough for me. Um, I remember going out, I think we I think we won 5-1 or 1-3, scored a hat-trick. Um, 
and score halfway line. I remember it was a relief to think I've now got another two years at this club yeah. where I can now yeah. progress and just learn about myself as a footballer. Um, so yeah, I don't think I even got my results from school yet at the time. So I didn't have my results yet. Didn't have my scholar at all yet. Um, so it, it was it was weird. It was one of them things. It was you know, and then obviously it all fell into place. Got my scholar. Um, good results GCSEs. I remember results day at school was our signing day for our scholars as well so I literally went went to, went to obviously Canada Park, um, picked up my results obviously everyone done the whole last day kind of thing and then home changed our straight to the ground to some scholar with all the boys and then kind of once you sign it that's it now it, it's time to work yeah you know and yeah that's kind of what it was Coach, as we were talking about, yeah, you got your results um, on Canapama Farm for the same day that you were sort of signing on for Millwall. But from there on in, with that pressure of sort of being a last scholar, did you still feel like you had a long future at Millwall? Or even from the pressure of that game, is that something that never left you in your time there? Um, I wouldn't say it was so much pressure. Um, like I said, I knew how good I was. Team mentioned how good I was. So it was more about just kind of not proving to myself, but more just showing I deserve to be part of the team as well. Yeah. And I think once that game came and went, I didn't look back from there. You know, went in from day one and kind of just stamped what I was going to do that season. And um, I think I scored 31 or 29 in my first year. Wow. Um, and yeah, from there, I just didn't look back. Do you think you needed that game as well in terms of that that make or break game? Wasn't do you think mentally as well for yourself? You're kind of thinking, right? If I not if I just do well, I know I'm good enough. But do you think that game kind of made you think, yeah, this is it? Like if I do this, not just do I get a scholarship, I know for sure how good I actually am. Um, yeah, and it kind of made me want to play for that manager as well. Yeah, you know, because you have to pull me in the office. Do you know what I mean? You didn't have to have that chat with me. You could have just let me play the game and saw what happened. Um, but the fact that he pulled me in the office, spoke to me, um, made me feel a lot more comfortable that he's someone that I want to play for. Um, and yeah, I kind of played that game. And yeah, I just didn't look back. Just looked forward all the time. And I think that first year kind of proved to myself that I'm actually, I can actually have a career in football. Yeah. And I want to ask this question. With Millwall, and they were a club for that were in League One, did you feel that um, from the moment you were in that academy that you could sort of see yourself uh, getting into the first team quite easy, or was it still a, um, a long process to adapt, adapt to? Oh, yeah, there was lots of that too, you know. You know, we had players that were seasoned pros, been around the game for a long time. There was more players that you can just kind of learn from, you know. That's kind of what we tried to do. Um, obviously, they had along the way where they could gave us advice and stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't a full one because it wasn't, yeah, I know what I'm going to get in the first team. You had to work hard every day. Yeah. You know, you had, you had to show you wanted to be there and you wanted to be part of that football club, you know, and it wasn't a club that was blessed with being able to give five, six, seven pros out, you know, for my age, only two of us got pros, yeah. you know, so when you're looking at one out of 19 oh. is getting a pro, it's just, me, it was kind of funny that, I was the last to get my scholarship, my first to get my pro. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's funny how things work out sometimes. 
So when you made your debut for me, how, how was that day? Do you remember everything about it? Or I remember that day very clearly. Um, it, was, it was a Tuesday. Um, and we finished. So the youth team, we, we had training. Um, I had my pro deal, I think, maybe two weeks before, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I was still obviously playing for the youth team because obviously I was across the age. Um, and so we... Often we on the on on a game day on a if it, if it was a night game we would have a double session so we trained until I think we trained eleven till half one and then I think it was like two till four or two till three something like that yeah and we used to always go to Nando's in Bromley so finished training we've all gone to Nando's um there was the day before I had a walk around the shopping center just to kill a bit of time before going to the game and I remember I was in H and M with two of the boys. And the physio, the first team physio called another lad to find out where I was. And he's like, oh, he's next to me. And gone out of H&M and he said, oh, you're on the bench tonight. There's been an injury. Someone's called out, you're on the bench. Wow. For the game, ASAP. Um, I remember I was, I was in my, with all, with all my track suits and I remember I was like, I ain't got any boots. I had no boots, no shin pads, nothing. Um, I didn't have a thing. And so I was like, I ain't got any boots. The ground, obviously, the, the training ground was locked up because everyone had gone. Um, yeah. So yeah. we had to run into Sports Direct. <laughs> and I had to buy boots and shin pads. I remember I bought the total 90s, the black and orange ones, Rooney's yeah. ones, one, um, one pair of shin pads. Um, literally jumped in a taxi with two of the boys. Um, I went to the game. I uh, got to the game about quarter past six. I walked in the change room. All the all the first team were obviously in their suits, having their tracksuit. And I remember going to my peg, obviously my shirt was up and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember one of the senior pros looked at me and was like, where's your suit? <laughs> you should have bought one. I was like, what? Lucky I haven't even got boots and shin pads, mate. And then um, he kind of laughed. And oh, I was nervous. It's my, first, it's my first, obviously, first time being on the bench, in the squad even. Yeah. So I was nervous. And I think he made a little joke to me and then kind of, oh, it's all right then, kind of thing. And I remember, I think I went toilet like <laughs> 10 times. Um, and then, obviously, the gaffers named the team. I was on the bench. I remember how I was in so fast. And then, even, even prior to that, in the, in the taxi, I remember I phoned my mum to listen. I'm on the bench tonight. Um, I'm leaving you tickets. She was like, cool. So, her, obviously, her and my dad came. Um, and then, there was about 20 minutes ago, and they took off a winger. And I brought one on. It was nil nil at the time, um, and the one that came off came next to me on the bench. And then he looked at me and said, "You're the only four player on the bench. Like the rest of all defenders." He, he's yeah. like, "It's no no. He's not going to bring a bring a defender. Go and get a ball, like, Just go and run and look busy." I was like, "What?" <laughs> he's like, "No." He's like, seriously, get up, go and run." Yeah. And I got up, ran down the touchline. Fans all clapping, all that kind of stuff. My heart was just beating so fast. Like, I was running. <laughs> But I felt like I was limp at the same time. Yeah. And you know, yeah. moving up, stretching, and then the gaffer looked at me and I put my head down. <laughs> like, don't look at me. God, just don't look at me. Um, carrying on stretching. And then the assistant, Joe Gallen, shouted my name. And I heard him the first time, but I ignored him. And then the fans behind me were like, Kieran, he's calling you. Go, go, like, go, run. I was like, oh. So I, I kind of jogged back. And then they all got up and started clapping. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. And uh, 
playing change on the bench, put putting on my shirt, and then I sat there for like twenty seconds, thinking he'll forget about me. I sat there, and he looks back. I went, I went ready. I was not even slowly. Not even close to being ready. And then he's like, "Come on, let's go." I was like, "Oh my god!" I remember walking to the touchline, and I could just hear all the youth team boys behind me like shouting my name and cheering. And I looked back and they were all standing up, clapping, like buzzing. I was like, oh my God. And then I remember seeing my youth team manager just with a big smile on his face. Um, and he like, he gave me a nod, like, say, go on. And I was like, oh my God. I, I don't forget this. And then I saw it on TV. I don't know who's done it. Someone's still on TV. Like, before you come on, you, just, you jump in it. Yeah, like, do high knees in the air. I remember I've done that. I've never done that ever again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and. I think about it all the time. Why did I do that? I, I saw it on TV, so I thought, it's a natural thing to do. And I remember, I can't remember who I came on for, um, but I came on, everyone just clapped and cheered. And I was trying to look to see mum and dad, but I couldn't see them. And then I remember the ball came over, it was in the air. I went to control it, and it hit my shin pad. When I threw a throw one, I was like, oh my God. It's going to so be the story, get the debut. <laughs> and then I remember I put in a crunching tackle I chased the fullback into our half and just smashed him. And everyone jumped up. Yeah! I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened all in about three, four minutes. Yeah. And then I just remember I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was breathing so heavy. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then I thought, the pace of this compared to an academy game or a reserve team game is so much higher and so much faster. And after the game, I was on my knees, literally. I couldn't breathe. I was so tired. I was like, oh, I played 12 minutes. It felt like I played 90, probably more. And then I remember one of the coaches was like, you part of the first team now, box to box. I was like, what? I just played. So played. Then the boy that didn't get on were doing, were doing running. So I was there doing running. Then done my interview with the press, breathing heavy. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And then I remember looking up and seeing mum and dad um, like they waited till I'd done everything and I just remember seeing their faces and how proud they were and then going back in the change room all the boys like congratulating me and all that kind of stuff but never did I think this is it like yeah, I, I, I knew I was, I was so far off it being you know on the first I was already there because I was injured literally yeah. and then I think from that game I was in the squad for the, like the next five or six on the bench and stuff then I came on again, and I didn't. I was on the bench against Norwich, I think it was, in the cup. Um, and I don't think, I then, I then I went out on loan for the rest of the season. Um, you didn't show on them? No, I went, that, I went to two in the Mitchum first. Yeah. They were in the Bostic. Um, I remember I went there, I think I scored 15 and 20. Wow. Um, then came back to Millwall. And obviously that year we had got promoted yeah. to the Champions um, Then played again. Sheffield United in the champ um, had a couple chances to score should have won a penny didn't get it uh, I remember watching it on I think it was ITV they, they had the championship show on ITV yeah I think ITV see or something like that it was just before Max said they were just after and I remember getting all messages from all the boys all my mates and stuff who watched it who filmed or filmed it and stuff um, when I should have won the penny and it was a stumble pen didn't get it but um, there's even a bit of me barking at referee live on TV brilliant um, mum didn't like it too much but it is what it is I was in that environment now where you know what I'm saying 
Um, but no, it was... This is lifestyle. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it was one of them things. It was proud moment. Um, you know, and great, great experiences. Met some great people. Played with some great players. Yeah. You know, yeah. but... Yeah, no, it's just one of them... My debut, I'll never forget it because just about how it happened. Yeah. Where they were in Nando's, H&M with the boys. They didn't have to get a taxi to the ground. They didn't rush out of the traffic as well. Um, yeah, no, it, it was an experience. Not many people know that's how it happened. Um, the people close to me know that's how it happened, but not many people outside of that circle know yeah. that I was in H&M when I got told I was playing in Kuala Lumpur or going to be in a Mexican Kuala no, they, they all know now, so it's, uh, I'm sure they'll be literally laughing with us as well, just about how, just how, how weird, how bizarre that story is. It's not something here every day, to it's someone going from H&M and literally end up in the Football League, making their Football League debut the same day. Do you think as well, you think obviously the intensity of the game is like so much different. Do you look at 16, 17-year-olds who have broke through and obviously have made a name for themselves? At that age, you look at it, obviously because you've been through it yourself, and obviously you know the intensity. You look at that and think like, like how well they're doing to still to break in and have that intensity at that age. Um, yes and no, no, because I feel since then the sports science side of football has elevated. Oh, okay. Um, so they're fit enough. They're they're at a level of fitness where they can compete with the elite. Yeah, you would see. You do think. For example, at Arsenal, the youth team players all the, the twenty three will be doing the pretty much the same running the first team's doing. So you're going to be obviously training won't be as well. You, you say that, but you're talking about top quality young players, so the intensity of training will be high anyway. Of course, yeah. You know, obviously, the sports science has a massive part, um, and obviously, they'll be different to me, where they'll be training with the first team day in day out anyway. You know, where I wasn't. Yeah. You know, mm. if I was, I would probably be the fitness levels that I should to compete at that level. Um, but I wasn't. So for me, and at the same time, it's adrenaline, you know, all that kind of stuff, nerves, that that will take out of you as well. But like I, said, I was nervous from the moment I got the phone call at 5.45. Do you know what I mean? So to then get into the game, warming up at half time on the side of the pit, like a touchline, all, all that nervous energy coming out of you. Do you know what I mean? So when you do get on the pitch, well, drain as it is. Cool, then you, yeah. you know, but I feel like now the sports science stuff that that's elevated the game, and fitness levels are always going to be much higher than they were ten years ago. Do Do you feel like Do you feel like there's some misconception about how hard it is in the academy? Not only the physical demand, but the mental demands to continue to continue to push for your place at such a young age, competing with grown men. For literally the chance to sort of pay for a starting place like for your career, is that something that is a unique pressure that you sort of associate with football? Yeah, because as a 16 year old, where you're going to school every day, to then you're now playing football every day. New environment where some clubs, first team players, look at the kids as you ain't taking my spot. Mm. Yeah. So, as much as they're there to help you to an extent, they also don't want you to take their, take their spot, you know? Yeah, yeah. So to a 16-year-old, yeah, they're giving you advice, the right advice, but there's that 25% of them knowing that, especially at a lower level, you know, there's that percentage of can't give them that much advice because he could take that 
run with it, and before I know it, I'm on their bench and he's playing. Cool, sure. You know, so there was, there, was, there was also that. But I feel if you love playing football, it's a perfect environment for you to be in, day in, day out, playing football, learning, training, playing games, um, seeing the first team players, you know, watching the first team on a, on a game day, seeing how they make 20,000 people go crazy from scoring a goal. Yeah. Or putting in a tackle or signing a shirt, taking a photo, you know, you kind of want that, you know. So there wasn't that much pressure on me, you know, being at a club like Millwall um, compared to being, let's say, for a young guy like Arsenal now. You know, the pressure's different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's that question I ask now as well, right? Uh, I know that, probably you talked to us about this before, but I want to bring this up again. At Millwall, obviously things, um, yeah, you did play, uh, you played quite a few games at Millwall and you did sort of make a mark here and there, but I don't know, ultimately you didn't have a sustained run in the first team and you ended up sort of going down a level as well. Why do you feel like it, it didn't work out for you at Millwall? Like, is there anything that you feel that you would have done differently? Um, I've probably, there were times when you needed additional support, you know, when times were tough, when you wasn't getting that breakthrough. Yeah. Um, and didn't feel I had, wouldn't say people I could go to within the club, but it's a doggy dog world at that level. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. Like, I played with players who were playing in the reserve team who were 25, 26, who once, who some one particular player was told, when you leave the club, your career is going to go one way down. You know, that player played with the Prem. He's won the champ. I think he's won League One as well. Yeah. He scored a hell of a ton of goals in the last three, four, five seasons. You know, you know every time he scores, I think back to that moment in the change room when he got told that, and I'm like, one person's opinion don't define who you are. Yeah, perfect point. He's still playing now, the player. He is. He's still playing the championship. Twenty four. I think he got last year. You're gonna have to tell me who this is. We're gonna we're gonna have to know. We're gonna have to. Miss Rabin. Lewis Graven, really? No way. Wow. So you were playing with him at the youth level as well, then, Dak, at Millwall? He, I played with him when I was in the... He was in the... Obviously, they bought him from Palace. Um, yeah. And it, it just didn't work out for him at the club. He just didn't hit the ground. Again, he got bought from Palace. Um, so they're fresh with it already. Yeah. We paid money for you. We expect you to come in and score a ton of goals. It just didn't work out for him. It didn't happen. Ended up in the reserves. But... He's one player that I learned a lot from. Yeah. Lot. Um and yeah, he proved a lot of people wrong with his yeah. career now. You know, funny enough as well, you look at someone like um a perfect example of that is this whole Serge Gnabry, so no doubt yeah. must have included the whole social media scene went crazy, especially in the semi final, Tony Pulis's opinion of him. And there's look, I mean, obviously as much as it was like a bit of a joke on social media, that sort of opinion on a player mentally they can think you know what i'm not good enough like I'm, i might not be but especially with him he turned it all around he he didn't let one coach's opinion dictate his career yeah i think for even with that it's very i'm on the fence with that one because you look at Sergio Avery, he should not be anywhere near a tony Fulis team 100 yeah. so i look at the people that sanctioned him going there alone Forget the player. There are people at Arsenal who thought that was a good idea. We know Tony Pulis how he plays football. It's not going to work. Yeah. So, again, there's things there that 
that player has no effect on. You can't impact that. You know, mm. if he gets told he's done there alone, you kind of do what you're told, kind of thing. Okay, mm. I'll go there alone. Um, but never ever be a 20 finish player. So yeah. he was never going to be ready because he didn't play how you want him to play. Of course. Yeah. Well, I was going to touch on one thing, right? And I know that um, it's something that I really wanted to touch on. With um, like you at Millwall, and you said that from about 17 years old, that it was a tricky sort of period for you to um, like sort of acclimatise sort of playing football. You got to playing football, but you had a few knocks as well, right? I want to ask this. When it came to uh, the, the setbacks as well and, and all of that sort of stuff, would you say that the guidance was a big issue as well? You talk about the young players that have been released for that are sort of finding things a bit tough. Would you say that you would have made it a bit further if you had that sort of guiding hand or person sort of leading you within the club to say this is how far you are, this is how much you have to work? Or do you reckon it's just, even looking back, that still would have made a difference, would you say? I said this, to, it might have been to you guys last, in the last podcast. Yeah. There's a guy called Steve Salis. Yeah. Who worked at Millwall? I wasn't there at the time. I'd already gone, um, and I said to him actually, maybe it might be this year. I said it to him, if he was at Millwall when I was there, yeah, I would still be a pro now at at some level. Wow! Because for everything that I wanted in a person at a football club, it was him. Was it no. the understanding that he gave you in terms of your, your own personal character? Or was it like film film for as, as to how he spoke as a coach? Um, just the person he is. Um, he, I met him at a conference and then, you know, I hate conferences. I hate graph. I find them so boring. But this particular one that he done, I was engaged from the moment he started talking right to the moment he finished. And it just so happened that I went with the chairman of the football club, I was at Liverpool at the time, and then he ended up coming in as assistant manager, which for me was great, you know, and then we built up a relationship, we started speech, obviously we had that in common with both like Millwall, so we knew the same people, um, and then we got to speaking, you know, and just, he's open, honest, but if you had problems, we'd usually speak to him. He was the person you, that you go to. You know, we obviously, he's got a book out at the moment, um, which speaks about all these kind of things. Um, but I said to him, if he was at Mill when I was there, I'll be a pro still. Yeah. I would have lasted longer at Mill than I did. Was there no one that you felt you could talk to at Mill? No one that you really felt that you could sort of go through everything that you were, you were going through? Nah. No. I think if there was, I would have. Didn't, I didn't feel there was at the time. Um, so I kind of just went through that kind of stuff alone. Um, and obviously, as when you're 17, 18 years old, that's tough. Yeah. You're still expected to be at training, perform at training, perform at games. You know, and it wasn't, oh, he's not playing well. It wasn't why he's not playing well. Yeah. It was just, you ain't playing well, you're on the bench. Simple. You know, there wasn't that. No, nothing to actually give, nothing to work on for you personally. Yeah. So, you know, there wasn't that, me, I didn't have that person that I could go and speak to in confidence and say, look, this is what's happening or I feel like this or whatever. I didn't, didn't really have that. Yeah. You know, so.